0: It's
3: the No Name Never Podcast! Hello, and welcome to the preview show from the No Nay Never Podcast. I'm producer Matt, sitting here for Natalie this week, but I'm joined as ever by Statman Dave Roberts. Dave, good evening.
2: Good evening, Matt. Good to be back and uh, good to have you here for a change.
3: It, it is. I was trying to cast my mind back to the last one I did. I think I did one possibly during Project Restart in the in the hazy days of the summer. But, um, yeah, Natalie's been available just about for the last uh, six or seven months. So, uh, no, it's good to be back uh, on air, as it were. Um, and, you know, these are coming thick and fast, these uh, these preview shows. We've got, uh, with the Fulham match being slotted in now, we've got double, double game weeks for the rest of the month, so... Um, So I got my work out to keep everyone informed of what's coming up. Um, Looking back very briefly at last night's match, Dave, it wasn't too bad a result and it wasn't too bad a performance, I didn't think. What do you think?
2: It was always going to be tough when we conceded a goal so early against Team White like City. If we could have kept it tighter for longer, it might have been different. Um, we did just concede the the two goals in the game. It could potentially have been more. We didn't really have any chances at the other end. Is it similar in some ways to the um, the Chelsea one? Again, once, once they went in front, um, it was going to be tough to get back into the game. But only one goal down, there's always that chance. Um, so yeah, I mean we we didn't get a a, a tonking from City as we have done in uh, sometimes in the past, but it was uh, yeah probably an expected result in some ways in the end, and we couldn't quite pull off the uh, same sort of miracle that we did at uh, Anfield against Liverpool.
3: No, I think I think I was thinking before about the, these matches, these where we get the results against these traditional big six. That, he seem to be kind of like almost one a season, two at a push. So with you know the win at the Emirates and the win at Anfield, I think we are kind of used polo lucky chips perhaps for this season. Um, so in our last preview show, we posed a, a quiz question for you, which was, which player scored Burnley's goal in the second half of the 6-1 home defeat to Manchester City back in the spring of 2010? And the answer to that question, Dave, was? Uh,
2: it was a very wet day. Uh, the answer was Stephen Fletcher got that goal. Uh, that was the uh, match where City raced to a 3-0 lead after seven minutes. Uh, they were 5-0 up at half-time, and we did slightly better after the break. Uh, but despite drawing the second half 1-1, Turf Moor was definitely not a happy place that day.
3: You know, it was uh, kind of a wet place as well, uh, I seem to remember. I think it was a... a, a
1: it was a, a deluge, yeah the, the pitch, yeah,
2: the pitch wasn't quite as good and didn't hold the water quite as well then, so there were puddles everywhere, and it looking at one point, like, uh, well, I think we were shouting for it at one point for the referee to call the game off, but it, it did seem to die off a little bit in the second half, and uh, there was no real danger of that in the end, and uh, yeah, disappointing day, really.
3: Yeah, Uh, Correct answers, uh, some usual suspects again, I think Uh,
2: Yes, we had uh, Adrian Caton again, got the correct answer as did uh, David Entwistle and John Robertson was also back in touch after a couple of weeks with uh, not getting the correct
3: answer so uh, well done to those three And of course we will have another quiz question for you uh, at the end of the show
0: Opposition Stats
3: so, moving on to look at the next match in this busy schedule, and it is, of course, Brighton and Hove Albion at home the second of three matches at the Turf in a week, Uh, this Saturday, the 6th of February, and it's a rarity. It's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, and it's also live on Sky Sports. So, Dave, what can you tell us about the recent history between Burnley and Brighton? Uh,
2: Well, there have been seven meetings between Burnley and Brighton and Hove Albion at Turf Moor since 2009. Uh, Four of those were in the Championship, and the three most recent meetings at Turf Moor have all been in the Premier League. Uh, Burnley have won two, drawn three and lost two of Brighton's most recent trips to Turf Moor. Uh, Honours have been fairly even during that time, with a win each and two draws in the four most recent championship games as well as a win each and one draw in the three previous Premier League games over the last three seasons. Uh, They're also the only three seasons that both clubs have been together in the top flight. Uh, Burnley's last and only top flight win was achieved in December 2018 with a 1-0 win. Uh, and Brighton's only top-flight win at Turf Moor is the corresponding fixture from last season. Uh, goals from uh, Eve and Aaron Connolly, either side of Chris Wood's goal, gave the Seagulls a 2-1 away win when the two teams met last in the Premier League. Uh, that was the last game of last season uh, back in July.
3: Yeah, I think we'd finally got to our kind of on-the-beach moment by that point, uh, seem to remember.
2: Highlights and lowlights. lights.
3: Moving on to the next section, it's our Highlight and Lowlight. And uh, we're going back to Highlight's first this week.
2: I'm keeping you on your toes, yes. Um, highlight first this week. Uh, for our Highlight, we've chosen Burnley's one and only top flight home win over Brighton from 20, uh, December 2018, which we mentioned just before. Uh, following a tough start to the season, it was a welcome victory, which ended a dismal run of eight games without a win, and also lifted Burnley out of the bottom three. The winning goal, which came before half-time in front of the cricket field stand, was hardly a classic. Jack Cook's shot found its way past Matt Ryan off James Tarkovsky's midriff, but they all count, and we gladly glad they accepted the goal and the clean sheet, which combined to earn the much-needed win.
3: And what is a lower light this
2: week. Uh, I've gone a little bit further back in time for our low light. we selected uh, a disappointing opening day defeat to the Seagulls at Turf Moor from the 2002-2003 season. Uh, Steve Melton gave the visitors the lead in the first half and following Arthur Nahari's dismissal on 51 minutes, Albion added two more goals through Paul uh, Brooker and Bobby Zamora. Um, Although Lee Briscoe netted in the final minute to pull a goal back, it was too little too late. Meaning we left turf more to reflect on a below par performance and a dismal start to the season.
3: Oh, it. Fixture
4: flashback.
3: So moving on, our next section is our newish feature, the fixture flashback. Now, throughout the second half of this season, uh, we are bringing you a, a brand new fixture. Uh, a brand new feature, Fixture Flashback, it's a chance for you to get involved in the show. Each week, we're asking you to send us your match day memories from a particular game from the past against our next opponents, so that we can feature them on the relevant preview show. Now, ideally, we'd like you to record, you, uh, record your voice and send it through to us, but uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then we'll also take a typed-up written memory and we will read them out. And here is this week's. Well, Brighton at home this weekend. Usually, quite a tedious fixture, and uh, nil-nil or one-nil either way. Apart from the rare sight of a Joe Hart clean sheet, probably the best abiding memory of Brighton at home was uh, n- another nil-nil draw in the uh, the European qualification season. So it's towards the back end of the season, 2018. I think we knew a point would all but get us there, providing uh, Chelsea not Southampton at the FA Cup. I think Brighton wanted a nil-nil to keep them that much close to safety. And it was a game where you could tell that both teams were happy with a 0-0 draw, but uh, one point closer to Europe, so that's that's got to be the happiest memory for me. Now, we won't have a preview show for the FA Cup game against Bournemouth on Tuesday, so our next Premier League match is the trip to Sellers Park to play Crystal Palace next Saturday the 13th. So if you have a memory of an away day at Sellers Park and you'd like to share it with us, then you can record and send it through to us at podcast at nonanever.net and we will include it in next week's preview show.
0: Heroes and Villains.
3: Okay, moving on to the next section and it's our heroes and villains. Or should I say, Dave, Heroes.
2: Uh, yes, for our hero this week, we don't just have one, we've got five. I've gone all out this week. Uh, Burnley all but guaranteed the club's first foray into European competition with a 0 0 draw at Turf Moor in April 2018 against a Brighton side which also included Dale Stevens. Even before the match, there were already opportunistic merchandise sellers with Claret's Invasion of Europe scars for sale. But the point on the day, the nil-nil draw, meant that Burnley increased the gap over Everton in 8th place to 6 points, with two games to play, and we also had a superior goal difference of plus 12 against minus 3. Sean Dyche could barely hide his smile when asked about the subject in the post-match interview. So for keeping a clean sheet that day and earning us a very valuable point, Nick Pope and the starting back four of Matt Lowton... Kevin Long, who played that day, alongside James Tarkovsky and Stephen Ward, are our heroes for this week.
3: Oh, seems a long time ago now, doesn't it, that European adventure? Uh, and who is our villain for this this week, Dave?
2: Uh, well, we like a pantomime villain here on the No Name Never preview show, and we think we have just the man to fit the bill for this episode. Uh, back in 2012, Brighton were managed by hot-headed Uruguayan Gus Poyet, and with his visiting team trailing 1-0 with five minutes to play... He proceeded to storm down the touchline and down the tunnel. Uh, He certainly hadn't been asked to leave the touchline by the referee or fourth official and failed to explain his actions in the post-match press conference. So to this day, we're all still a little bit unsure exactly what happened to cause this unusual course of action, which surprised and amused the turf more faithful in equal measure and also seemed to puzzle the visiting fans. However, it wasn't the first time we'd seen this type of behaviour from the Brighton boss. In the reverse fixture, earlier in the season, he threw his coat down to the ground and stormed off halfway through the first half, after two Brighton players, including future Clara Ashley Barnes, had been sent off. So for his second touchline tantrum of the season, we think we're well within our rights to have Gus Poyet as our villain this week.
3: I think he was just trying to beat the traffic. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I think he was trying to get up Manchester Road before everybody else. <laughs> And to round off this section of this show, who is going to be the man in the middle on Saturday for us?
2: Uh, We've got Anthony Taylor of Withenshaw. He's going to be the man in charge of this Saturday's home game against Brighton. Um, It's actually the third time he's refereed a Burnley match so far this season, so we'll have gone through his stats a couple of times before, so I'll not bore you too much with them uh, in this episode. Uh, But the previous two occasions both ended in draws. Uh, They were the 0-0 draw we had at West Brom in October and the 1-1 draw at home to Everton in December. Uh, there haven't been any red cards in any of his previous 18 games, his refereed, involving Burnley, and so we'll be hoping for that to continue this weekend. Uh, and finally on this section, uh, the video assistant referee will be Stuart Atwell.
3: Excellent.
0: Statman Dave's Stat of the
3: Week! Well, we're not going to leave it there. As always, you've got uh, another bonus stat for us, so why don't you uh, why don't you hit us with your Stat of the Week, Dave?
2: Uh, yeah, this week's stat is um, regarding this Saturday's match. It will be Burnley's 250th top flight match of this millennium, or if you prefer, our 250th Premier League match, although we would like to recognise that football did begin prior to 1992. Uh, for Burnley fans of a certain age who thought the Clarets might never make it back to the top division after a 33-year wait between relegation in 1976 and... Going down the divisions, nearly going out, and then coming back to the top flight in 2009. It shows the hard work that has been done not only to get back to this level, but also to remain here as long as we have. With this being our fifth consecutive season at the top level after single season returns in 2009 10 and 2014 15. Excellent.
3: Good start. So, this week, uh, we have an Opposition View for you, and it comes from the Brighton fans podcast, Together BHA, and we got them to share their thoughts with us.
4: Opposition View. Hello to the uh, No, Nay, Never podcast. Great name, by the way. Uh, I'm Josh with Together BHA. Um, you sent me a, a bunch of notes over for for the for the game this weekend, uh, which is which is a big one for both of us. Um, I'll do my best to to answer as many questions as I can to try to give you uh, the the opposition take today. Um, so the first question I got from you all was was how our season has gone since we last played each other. Um, the the long story short uh, is really it was a downward spiral um, before a 2021 revival, really. Um, we, we played well most games. Uh, the story was pretty much the same. Uh, we, we played well. We played attractive football. We we won the XG, uh, as they constantly joked about, you know, online and, and in articles. Um, and, and generally played pretty well, but we just couldn't get results that matched our play. Um, however, since 2021 came around, we, we really seem to have turned a corner, starting with the comeback against Wolves on January the 2nd. Uh, from 3-1 down at half time, we came back to draw 3-3, um, and it seemed like there was a bit of a fire lit under the players after that. Uh, we've now played six games in January, excluding the Cups, um, and we've won three of those games, drawn two and lost one this calendar year. Uh, we did, of course, win the two Cup games as well, um, and the only loss we've took this year actually is came to Manchester City, um, and even that was just a 1-0 defeat. So uh in terms of how I think Potter is doing, um I, I truly think Potter is, is building something very special on the South Coast. Um of course I am biased, right? You're probably rolling your eyes, like of course he thinks that. Um but but he does have a very exciting background. You know, he's he's already done that uh almost cliche football manager save uh where he took you know, some lowly Swedish team from the fourth division and beat Arsenal in Europe. Um, and, and he plays football in a very entertaining way. You know, he's been given significantly less funds to play with than Chris Hutton ever had. Um, and, and for the last year, especially since the pandemic began, has, has been asked to work with what he has at his disposal, you know, with the, with the signings Chris Hutton failed to make work um, and, and the youth academy that we, that we have at our disposal. Uh, I think Graham Potter is, is the man for us you know even if we go down the same way you've stopped by Deitch for a long time uh, I, I think you know Potter is that man for us and and I think Tony Bloom you know Albion fan through and through as our owner is is the right owner to to allow him to build such a project uh, you know at the Albion um, we are very happy to have him for the most part uh, you know especially since the current results has been a lot of people happier than ever um <laughs> How the transfer window went for us, um, I, I would say it was just fine. Um, I, I wanted a striker. Most Albion fans did. Um, scoring goals is, is definitely our weakness. Uh, but but we knew it wouldn't be a likely scenario. You know, the, the finances across the Premier League, as you're well aware, uh, are brutal currently um, due to the losses with COVID. I believe the Albion incurred another 20, 30 million losses, um, you know, just due to COVID alone. Uh, we, we ended up selling over £20 million worth of players this summer to, to try and recoup some of that. Um, and we only spent £900,000 on incoming. So we, you know, we've worked very hard to try and recoup some of those losses. Um, you know, so I didn't expect a great deal from the Albion. Um, however, I am excited uh, by the Moises Caicedo si- uh, signing from, from Ecuador. Uh, he's young. Uh, he seems to be a very bright talent. Uh, Manchester United were in for him uh, but a lot of their negotiations broke down due to the the agents uh, in South America the Albion had already recently signed um, a a lad from the same club that he played at uh, Billy Arca and uh, we were we were due to that kind of relationship we already had we were kind of able to uh, swoop in and and take him from underneath the big team's noses so you know, it, either he is going to be one of those bright talents that will play alongside and, and form a, a, a mighty midfield alongside Bissouma, or he's going to end up being, you know, one of those preemptive Bissouma replacements. So, yeah, the transfer window was fine. Could have been better. Uh, but, you know, with, with everything going on, it, it's not a surprise that we weren't particularly active. Um, in terms of how we think uh, we'll get on in the cup next week against Leicester, um, this one's short and sweet. Depends on if Vardy plays. If Vardy is back, fit and ready to go, I think we'll get beat. Uh, if Vardy is not fit, uh, I think we might nick it. Uh, I think we might win. What do we expect from Saturday's match? Um, you know, despite the fact that we have just beaten Spurs and Liverpool back-to-back, um, it's going to be a tight one, right? It's Every game is tough in the Premier League, uh, and, and the Albion struggle to break teams around us down. Uh, you know, we've beaten Spurs, we've beaten uh Liverpool just yesterday and yet we we dropped points against Fulham, we dropped points against West Brom, we dropped points against uh Sheffield United when they were down to ten men, for goodness sake. Um so I, I expect that that's probably gonna be something that continues. Uh I, I would probably expect it to end, you know, nil-nil or one one. Um in terms of you know whether I consider it a must win, uh, a draw away from home in any game uh, in any game in the Premier League, to me, is is absolutely fine. Um, and especially with our last two, you know, I would definitely take a draw. Um, it would be major progress to show that Potter is is coaching this team to be able to beat teams around us as well. Um, so obviously it would be a major uh, kind of pro- progress if we won. Uh, but I would expect a, a 0-0 or a 1-1 draw. Um, in terms of what I expect from Burnley, same as always, disciplined, physical football, Um, You know, good stuff in terms of going forward with Chris Ward, Ashley Barnes. uh, I I will be missing the sight of Ashley Barnes in a blue and white shirt instead. Um, It hurts me every time I see him play for Burnley because I I liked him a lot at the Albion uh, and, and we couldn't give him the Premier League football he wanted at the time. Uh, so yeah, I, I expect that you will come over, uh, or rather you will, you're will. you at home, right? So I expect that you will do a good job defensively uh, at, at shutting us down, and I think we'll probably do the same, and, and I expect, like I said, it will probably be a pretty nil-nil 1-1 draw. Um, thanks a lot for having me on. Good luck for the rest of the season, except for this weekend, and uh, I'm sure we hopefully will speak next year if we're both Premier League teams.
3: Okay, Dave, so uh Brighton on Saturday uh the the phrase must win game is is, is thrown around a lot in football do you think this is a, a must win do you think with Brighton's result last night you know a point isn't enough do we need to kind of beat them to you know to kind of keep them in touch and keep in touch with them or do you think a point would would actually not be a bad result against you know between two sides who just uh both beaten Liverpool recently?
2: Um, I don't think they're ever, well, they're not ever must wins until a lot later in the season. It'd be a, a nice to win. I think that um, certainly in terms of the teams around us, it's important that we do um, get points and, and wins against the teams around us in the table, especially games at home. Um, so from that point of view, yes, it'd be a good one to win, but it won't be an easy match. We know that Brighton are on a, a reasonably good run themselves. Obviously, it's uh, it's the Anfield Conquerors Derby. I'm calling it, bearing in mind that uh, we've <laughs> them and us have both beaten Liverpool at Anfield in the last uh, week or two. Um, it's going to be a um, one of those games. It's going to be a tight game. I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals um it's it's both sides are, are capable of um of playing defensively and shutting up shop but it's a case of who then, then takes the initiative and uh, and and gets the maybe gets the first goal it might it might even be one Matt where the the first goal wins it i don't see it being a high scoring mm-hmm. game um if i had to give a prediction i'm going to go for a 1-0 win to burnley
3: I'd take that I'd take a 1-0. I think in terms of um injuries and team selection I I think we probably see pos- uh, the similar side that we that started last night. Uh I don't think anything's been said today to suggest that anybody who missed last night will be back enough uh fit enough to start. Uh, on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I think the the, the ones that are questionable are, are Wood and Barnes, obviously, and Taylor and Brownhill. And I think, ju- reading between the lines from the, uh, the manager's press conference, it's likely to be uh, a case of going in with the same team that we had uh, against Manchester City, I would think.
3: Excellent. Well, fingers crossed, uh, we'll get the three points from that and uh, put a bit more distance between ourselves and that relegation zone.
0: To see Premier League update.
3: So this week we can't bring you a proper fantasy Premier League update because the game week is still in progress. But instead, we've got one of our top ten from the known of never uh, fantasy Premier League, Sean Dunner to, here to talk you through how he's been so successful this season. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for
1: having me. Yeah, wonderful
3: to be here. Thank you. So, what's been the secret to your success this year? Has it been pure chance, or have you been uh, have you been scrutinising <laughs> the details and, and tweaking
1: every week? Well. I'm waiting for the bubble to burst. My big fear was that by, you know, by the time I spoke to you, I might have dropped out of the top 10 because some really high scores in there this week. Um, and I'm still cursing myself for my Salah captaincy when if I'd have captained literally anyone else, I'd have got more points from them. So, um, I think it's a mix. So I, 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 I kind of, I kind of started looking at it a lot more seriously when we're in lockdown and those project restart. And obviously there was a lot more time to do fun things like have spreadsheets and, Look at fixtures and form and all that kind of stuff. So it's 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 kind of a mix, really. I think it's there's a, there is that edge on debate of skill versus luck. I think this season it's very much it's very much a, a mixture of both. I think.
3: Did Did you play last year then? Were, were you? In, have you have you been playing fancy Premier League for a
1: while? Um. So fancy Premier League. So last season was my first main season doing it. Really, I think I had quite a, quite a few years out from it, and last year was very. It was a very casual approach, so lots of missed deadlines, lots of um, just picking players who I thought I might like. Not really sure what some of the chips did, and then, um, and again, that luck bit came into it. I started having an all right season last year, so when the uh, when when everything halted and you know we were locked down, I, I started taking it a little bit more seriously, and then this season, yeah, I suppose going back right back to your first question, I I am analyzing fixtures, I am looking at the stats, I am looking at you know form and all that sort of thing, so. Yeah.
3: Good, good. Um, Have you found this season harder to predict? Uh, Because there's been a lot of kind of random results and, you know, home form seems to have gone out the window, home advantage even. So, you know, have you kind of... Have you found it going, like, uh, away from what you expected, although you've
1: still been quite successful with it? Yeah, it's been... It's been difficult. I think one of the stats that came out, um, you know, in the last few days was this, you know, the, this record amount of wear wins. So normally when you look at, you know, you look at Liverpool at home against Brighton or, you know, dare I say, at Liverpool at home against Burnley and think, oh, home bankers, but, you know, these are wins just keep creeping up and up. Um And I think it's, and this sounds really daft to say out loud, but it's almost like no one's playing really well. There's no there's no, no one's going to hit 30 goals this season, you know, for a player and, and, you know, there's injuries that are creeping up, the schedules, chaos, we've already seen De Bruyne, um, you know, go out for a few weeks, Kane, it looks like he's out for a little while now, um, Salah, barring, you know, his game last week has, has not really been firing, so it's been really tricky, I think it's one of those seasons where people you might bank on aren't perhaps doing it as much and, yeah, it's, it's just it's been it has felt very tricky at points, and I think this is where the looks come in. Is I've just managed to kind of hit players in good form, and I think um, it's also been a case of I think sticking fast as well. I think it's easy to chase players sometimes, and you know maybe take hits to get those players in. And um, the big like an example was um, Harry Kane. So I had I've had a Harry Kane sat on my bench injured for the last two weeks. So no, the weekend it was, which should I should I get him out for? For Dominic Calvert Lewin, should I take the minus four points and get him in? And thankfully, I didn't. Sometimes it's it's having a bit of patience and, and sticking to it, I suppose. But yeah, no, it's been uh, it's definitely been a tricky one this
3: year. Any further tips then for people? You know, any kind of help for the remainder of the season that you could offer? Pearls of wisdom.
1: Pearls of wisdom. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I think was
3: was, was was sticking fast one well was just you know maybe being a little. Less knee-jerky, a little bit more patient with some players, not going shut
1: of them too quickly. Yeah, I think I think you know, there's definitely sort of risk and reward, and, and sometimes those strategies can pay off. I think, I think one of the things I do is look at a lot of um, FPL Twitter accounts, and I think you see which way the wind's blowing sometimes. And I think a great tip I would give is is question that. Sometimes it's really easy, and there's that fear of missing out, and oh, I better get this player in, or you know, I better drop him and put someone else in, and. It's easy to get swept along with that. I think sometimes when you really step back and just think, "Do I actually believe this? Am I, you know, am I just going along with this?" Because I don't want to, I don't want to be part of this sort of this fun little tidal wave of going for one player. Um, so sticking fast, I think, is one. I think, I think the other thing as well is, is, and all this sounds really stupid, but just make good decisions. I think what I mean by that is captain Salah last night was a good decision. It was, it was, it was brilliant. And, you know. And he looked like he'd hit his two goals, and it's a home fixture, and then it just doesn't quite work out. So I think if you can justify it, and it doesn't quite happen on the pitch, there's there's not a lot to be mad about, really. And and ultimately, at the end of the day, don't let it ruin you. Don't let it ruin what you football for you. That'd be my biggest advice.
3: Brilliant, thanks very much. Well, all the best for the rest of the fancy Premier League season, and we might even speak to you again should you come top uh, by the end of uh, by the end of it all. Amazing. No, Thank you
1: very much for having me. Appreciate
3: it. So, a big thanks there to Sean for offering his advice and thoughts on how he's approached uh, the Fantasy Premier League this season. But we do have uh, another new feature, which we started a couple of weeks ago, which is our Opposition 3 to watch. Um, Dave, can you fill us in on uh, who are Brighton's uh, high-scoring performers this season?
2: Yeah, we can bring details of the uh, highest point scorers so far of the season in the Fantasy Premier League, and up to and including Game Week 22, uh, they are uh, Neil Mopé with 74 points, uh, Leandro Trossard also has 74 points, and Solly March is third with 69 points. Uh, the first two both started in Brighton's win at Anfield on Wednesday, although Solly March remains out of action with a knee injury. So maybe it should be two to watch rather than three because uh, uh, Solly March isn't going to be involved. But uh, there may be two of Brighton's heist uh, performers who uh, we need to keep an eye out for on, uh, on Saturday.
3: Absolutely. And apologies again that, uh, as we're recording before the end of this midweek round of fixtures, uh, we're not able to bring you a detailed score update for the FBL this week, but we'll have a more thorough update for you in our next preview show, which will be for the away trip to Crystal Palace.
0: Statman Dave's quiz question.
3: Moving on to our penultimate section is the quiz question. Uh, Dave, you've got yet another question for us this week to test everybody's uh, parrots trivia.
2: Uh, Yes, this week's question is, uh, following this weekend, uh, we play Bournemouth in the FA Cup at home on Tuesday, but we want to know in which year Burnley met Brighton in the FA Cup competition for the only time in our history. That season, the Clarets progressed after a replay win at Turf Moor.
3: Ooh. I certainly don't know that one off the top of my head. i have to give that one a bit of thought. Uh, how, If people do know, how can they uh, submit their answers?
2: Uh, well, the best way to get in touch, uh, you can either tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on Twitter so no one sees your answer. Uh, that's at never on Twitter. Uh, email us, podcast at never.net, Or you can also reply to the post for this preview show on either the Never Facebook page or on YouTube, and we'll reveal the correct answer to that question at the start of our next preview show.
3: Moving on to, uh, finally, some com- any community news. Um, and, of course, with Sean on the programme um, this week, uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to talk to him about uh, Burnley FC in the community's community ki- kitchen and food bank, which he manages. So, Sean, over to you. The floor is yours. Uh, our listeners will want to know how they can support you uh, and how logistically they can get the donations to you uh, and what in particular you need uh, in, the next, in the
1: coming weeks. No, amazing. Yeah, and thank you for, for the opportunity to talk to everyone again. And um, we are absolutely having a, a big old push at the moment. So our facilities continue to remain closed um, as they have done throughout the pandemic. But we are continuing to, to, to help people in the community with our food parcels. So sending those out at a rapid rate at the moment, including um, getting them out to schools that need them for, for half term as well. Um, people can still get donations to us and they can do that safely if you go on uh, the website if you go and buy in Burnley Community Kitchen there's a full list which we've just updated of um, collection points and donation bins scattered around the town Um, and if also if anyone is inclined to help I would also point them to the Just Giving page um, where you can you can make a kindly donation or become a regular giver and one of our food bank friends but as ever the Working the community kitchen is absolutely reliant on on the great people of Burnley, um, and any support you offer us is just is always really greatly appreciated. And you're helping a lot of people.
3: Thanks for all that sh- uh, information, Sean. And I'm sure our listeners will uh, will do what they can to support those who uh, who are in need at this time. Um, thanks again for joining us this week, and um, all the best with everything down at the uh, the kitchen and food bank.
1: Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
3: So that's all we have time for on the preview show this week. Uh, my thanks go uh, firstly to Sean Danaher, the manager of the Burnley FC and the Community uh, Food Bank and Community Kitchen for joining us to offer his advice and thoughts on the Fantasy Premier League this season and also information on how you can support the Food Bank uh, during these tough times. Uh, thanks to Together BHA for their opposition view Uh, Thanks, as always, to Dominic Walker, Turf Stadium announcer, for his specially recorded preview show announcements. But uh, primarily, my thanks go to Statman Dave for getting this show together, preparing the stats and the facts and everything that you need as we uh, get ready for Saturday, three o'clock game against Brighton. Uh, I've been producer Matt. This has been the preview show from the Knowling Never podcast. Until next time.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much.